Hey, first I want to say thanks. Uh, thank you guys for having us. Thank you, Adam and Elena and Element Church. Uh, it, is a, it is a privilege to be here. Um, Jay, thank you for leading worship. And, uh, man, it's, uh, I want to just say thank you uh, for his heart and uh, just his way of uh, bringing us to a place of surrendering and, and giving it all to him. And so uh, thank you, Jay, for that. Um, but uh, what a privilege it is to be here. Uh, as Adam said, um, we, we come from the same territory uh, to where football on Sundays isn't really a big deal. Um, because it all happens on Saturdays. Uh, that's, where, that's where we really mesh out, where we root for our teams and that sort of thing. Uh, and, Adam, we don't have to kick uh, the Sooner fans out because they probably didn't show up today after that. Yeah, well, yeah I'll, I'm, I'll watch my words. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, um, wow. Uh, Adam and I, we've known each other roughly about five years, and uh, it's... He has an incredible heart, and uh, I, I'm privileged that he would uh, ask us to come and, and uh, take this time away from him and his teaching and discipling and uh, shepherding you guys uh, to, to bring a, a, a message that is very close um, to, to my family and to me as well. Um, my name is Ben. Uh, my wife is Meredith, and uh, we have four small children. Um, I'll give you their ages. Uh, Nine, seven, I'm looking at the Lloyds back there. Nine, seven, five, no, nine, seven, six, and four. Uh, there you go. Um, that's what happens when you have four kids. So, uh, young, stop. <laughs> you lose it all. Um, but uh, part, of, part of the process of uh, where we are today, um, where, what my family, uh, my wife and I have really been drawn to, uh, started about two years ago. Uh, two years ago, uh, my in-laws came to us. We're sitting in paradise. We're sitting in Florida and uh, on just these incredible beaches. And my in-laws come to us and say, hey, listen, I want you, we want you to watch this. We want you to watch this video uh, because for a couple of reasons, but we're, we're wanting to really get involved. We're wanting to, to be part of this fight. And so... Meredith and I, we said, okay, we'll watch it. Um, we watched this video that we're about to see here in a few minutes. And as we were watching it, we just kept thinking to ourselves, man, this is crazy that this is happening in Cambodia. This is crazy this is happening in, in other places. And this is just, yeah, you know, go. Of course, we don't want you to go, but we understand that there are little small children that are being trafficked that are being taken advantage of. They're, they're being raped multiple times per night. Go and, and yes. Go help. Go fight. Because I want to I point your attention real quick to a, a, a verse. It's Psalm 68, verse 5. It says, a father to the... He's talking about Christ and, and who he is and what he does. And he, he says, a father of the fatherless, a champion of widows, is God, the, is God in holy in his holy dwelling. And, and it says, I mean, Scripture over and over talks about God being a father to the fatherless. And so, of course, we're like, go. We want you to help. We want you to be part of that. And, and so, for the longest time, for about good six months, we kept thinking, man, this is horrible. What's taking place in Cambodia? 
what's taking place over there? This is horrible. And um, then it really hit us when we got back. It wasn't too much longer. The Super Bowl came around, and they were talking about the Super Bowl and all the trafficking that was happening and taking place around the Super Bowl. And we are like, this is happening here in the States. We, we knew that something, you know, obviously we know we hear of, of kidnapping and, and children being abducted, abducted and stuff like that. But we are like, this is a bigger thing, a bigger issue here in the States than we realized. And so that's when really our hearts got turned towards us joining in this fight and this cause. But I want, real quick, I want to show you guys this video, uh, the video that we first saw, and this plays uh, every day in Cambodia, and that's the title of this is Every Day in Cambodia. My name is Mira Sorvino. I'm an actress, and I'm an activist in the fight against modern-day slavery. I've joined the CNN Freedom Project in a search for the truth and for solutions. What we found will shock you and break your heart. It broke mine. But don't look away. It's important that you see what's happening every day in Cambodia. born here, if you did not come from this place, you'd never know it exists. There's no map, there's no sign. Unless you are the worst kind of criminal, the kind who preys on children. It is known around the world as a place where pedophiles come to get little girls. Every day in Cambodia, children are trafficked for sex. But the very youngest come from this one community just outside the capital, Phnom Penh. The Swai Pak is actually the epicenter for child sex trafficking in Cambodia. I've come to find out why and to try to help make it stop. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for coming. I'm joining forces with Don Brewster, a husband, a father, a grandfather, and a staunch abolitionist. Don came here from the U.S. on a mission trip a few years ago. He had just seen a news report about child sex trafficking in Swipak. Brothels were shut down, children were rescued, and Don wanted to help rehabilitate them back into the community. He was told the area was all cleaned up, except it wasn't. So I'm driving the moto down, and I'm looking, and I'm thinking, oh, good, it's all cleaned up, right? It's good. And I, and I got down to the end here, and when I got to the end, I was just turning my moto around, and actually came out of this, this place right here. So he came up to me, and he said, uh, uh, you, you want a young girl? And I said, again, I thought I was an investigator all of a sudden, so I said, yeah, I'd like two. And he said, okay, come with me. And I was pretty bold at first because I had our, our Cambodian director of our aftercare home with me and I'm feeling pretty confident and we get to a spot and they they tell our director he can't go any can't go with me I have to go by myself 
Well, now there's, it was just me and this one kid, but pretty soon there was four of them and just me. I'm thinking, what are you doing? I had $2 on me, and like I'm not in a very good position. But they took me to a house back over there, and there was over 60 little girls in this house. And I mean, we're talking 8 to 12 years, maybe max 12 years old. So they said, well, you pick the girls you want. So I picked two little girls, and then I'm thinking, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, and so I, so I came up with this story. I said, I'm here with uh, a bunch of Americans. There's 18 of us. And we all want three or four girls at least. Okay. And they said, no problem. I said, well, today we want them. He said, no problem. If you want 200 today, you can have 200 today. And so I said, well, I'll go get my friends, and we'll be right back. Right? And they said, oh, no. You go, you take care of those two girls. You pay me and take care of those two girls right now. Then you can go get your friends. And that's when I realized I'm not an investigator. But, uh, you know, frankly, I just, I prayed, like, how am I going to get out of this mess? And I think God gave it to me. I said, you know that Cambodian guy I'm with? He's no good. He'll go to the cops. I have to get rid of him, and I'll come back with my friends. And they bought it, and they let me go. Did you come back? I went to police and of NGOs that do investigations and stuff. And, like, I thought, hey, I got this big secret nobody knows about. And they said, yeah, we know it. So Don and his wife, Bridget, made a life-changing decision. We recognize the need that if we're going to really fight this, there needs to be somebody here 24-7. They moved to Swipok indefinitely. Today, his nonprofit, Agape International Missions, feeds, shelters, and rehabilitates survivors. When we came here uh, three years ago and began to live here, 100% of the kids between 8 and 12 were being trafficked. 100%. 100%. There wasn't, there Every wasn't, child born was eventually the, sold to sexual trafficking. And we didn't believe it until we saw van load after van load of kids being brought in. Much has changed since then, but much hasn't. Don says the children of Swipak are still sold for sex every day. It's just gone underground. Many are sold as virgins by their own parents. As we walk along the dirt roads, Don points out a table of men playing cards. He says they're there every day. Instead of caring for their family or working, they sit there and gamble and drink all day because they traffic kids, including their own. These, ki these guys do. Yeah, 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 these guys right here. Right? Their yeah. own. They traffic their, their own, own kids children. as well as others, not just their own. See? Uh -huh. See what happens yeah. when the light comes? <laughs> yeah, roaches scatter when the light comes. Yeah. That's what happens. The roaches and the rats scatter when the light comes. Yeah. I just want to yell at them, but I don't know what's going to happen if I yell at them. Well you, 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 well, you know what the truth is? What? They think they're untouchable because they have them. Do, do you think any of them speak English? No. No, yeah. most of them speak Vietnamese. I knew they probably wouldn't understand me and that it wouldn't make any difference at all. But I felt compelled to say something as futile as it might be. I just want them to know that the world is watching. I, I, you know, I just want them to know that there's a, there's a tally being taken. Yeah, we're filming. It's not okay to sell children. It's not okay to sell children to pedophiles. It's not okay. And the world is watching. Protect your children. Do not hurt your children. Protect them. Oh, God, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with the reality of it. It's, uh, 
You know, they have to look in the kids' eyes. I know, I know, I know. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Sorry, I, I feel like I'm going to cry every moment of this entire experience. I've been so afraid of this experience. I've been like, you know, because, uh, you know, I've met a lot of survivors, but I haven't been in the, in the, you know, the environment where it's happening Ready? every day, every day, that they would sell their own children. I mean, you know, when I think about how much I love my own children, like, if they do it to their own children, they would do it to any children. How desperate must a mother be to allow her child to be harmed in such a horrific way? So if you are like my wife and I, you watch that and you think to yourself, how? How does somebody do that? How does somebody come to this point in their, in their mind? And as what you heard, how does someone come so desperate enough to want to sell their own child? Um, I'll give you just quickly a, a, a background of, of what took place. So back in the early 70s, there was a dictator named Pol Pot. He stuck guns in the children's hands and said, kill, kill anybody with glasses, kill anybody that can read, kill anybody that educated, kill anybody that works. Because he wanted to be the most powerful person. And so, as little kids, that's what they did. Now, these little kids are, obviously, they're old enough to have kids of their own. Yet, they're uneducated, they don't know how to read, they don't know how, they're not literate. Um, and so, they have kids of their own. And they live in poverty. And they s come to somebody and say, hey, listen, I need some money, I need some help, I need, I need a way out of this, or I need to feed my family, can, I, can you loan me some money? Well, obviously, there's people in Cambodia that do, that do have money, that does have money, and so... They say, listen, we'll loan you money, but we want it paid back in ten times fold. Well, over a period of time, they can't pay the money back, and so the loaner comes to the loanee and says, hey, listen, I want my money back. If not, give me your kid. And there you go. That's how that has taken place over in Cambodia. But you see, there's a caste system in heaven. And there's a caste system, and it's totally opposite of the caste system of here in, in our world. The caste system that the world creates, it lifts up, it applauds the rich, the famous, the, the wealthy, the athlete, the pop star. We, I, mean, that's, I mean, when we talk about Peyton Manning or Von Miller, we're, I mean, we get jazz. I mean, we think they're the greatest, right? I mean, and we go on for months about... Man, thank you, Peyton Manning. Thank you for this, and thank you for that, and, and over and over. You see, the caste system that heaven creates is opposite. God's system works different. Jesus came and he approved. He took the lowest position. He took the lowest position. And he says, listen, the bigger you get in the kingdom of heaven, the lower position you take. And he says, I'm going to be the one that fights for these little ones, the ones that don't have a voice, the ones that can't fight for themselves, the ones that can't feed themselves. I will do that. And as a church, he calls each and all of us to do that as well. Now, you might not be called to go over to Cambodia, 
But here in a few minutes, you're going to hear some statistics and a story of here what's taking place here in Denver. And we can get involved. You don't have to go over to a foreign place to do it. You can do it right here. So Jesus says, I'm going to protect these little ones. Those little ones, they're my prized ones. They're my children. So, our world is backwards of what Christ's kingdom looks like. And I don't know about you, but I want to do things the way that Christ does things. I want to see people, I want to act the way that Christ acts. I want to take, a, I want to join the fight for that as well. So I want to give you real quick a definition, um, just a definition that we kind of uh, use um, for trafficking. Um, so uh, it's uh, the illegal movement of people, typically for the purpose of forced labor or commercially commercial sexual exploitation. All right. So there's 27 million people enslaved in today's time. Now that's far greater than ever before far greater than any civil rights movement. But that's the population of Texas. 27 million people enslaved in human trafficking. 80% of those in trafficked are victims of sexual exploitation. That's a large number there. 50 of those that are for sexual exploitation are children 12 and under. Agape International Missions, which is where Meredith's parents, they help out and they partner with them. Their mom works for them. Uh, The youngest child they have is four years old. They've rescued her. They work with another organization called IJM, which is International Justice Mission. Rescued a four-year-old out of sexual trafficking. 800,000 people are trafficked across the U.S. borders each year. 25% of all sex tourists that go and and go over to other countries and and take advantage and rape and abuse these small children, 25% of all of them are Americans. On average... Let's bring it it home, all right? On average, there are 30 minors that go missing in the state of Colorado each day. Statistics show within 24 hours, they will be approached. Not by a man that's in a white, sketchy van that says, hey, do you want some candy? No. They'll be approached by, on average, the average perpetrator in Colorado is a 45-year-old white male He's married, he has his own kids, and he's got a pretty decent job. He makes double what Adam and I make put together. They make anywhere from seventy dollars to $120,000 a year. So we're not talking about just some nasty, sketchy-looking guy. We're talking about average people. There are 321 exotic massage parlors in the Denver Metroplex. There's two in the DTC area. It's happening right here. It's happening in our own backyards. If you remember the news about, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago, over by Southlands Mall, they did a, 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 a bust of a, of a gentleman that had, I think, somewhere between six and seven 
teenage boys. And he wasn't letting them out of their house. He was abusing them. It's happening right here, church. It's taking place. Whether we, whether we want to open our eyes to the, the problem that's growing around us or not, it's happening. So let me give you just human trafficking. It's, it's a $32 billion industry. We're not talking, I'm not talking about, you know, drug trafficking. I'm talking about sexual exploitation trafficking. That's roughly about the combines of Nike, Google, and Starbucks. That's a lot. And the sick thing is, is that people are participating in this. People aren't just selling children, but people are buying them. I want to talk real quick about the brokenness that we suffer from. You and I, we're broken. Scripture tells us that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. Right? At least I know that, man, when when I was a kid, hey, we went to the grocery store and it was back when branches had like their whole display of like individual wrapped candies. I would go with my, my mom to, to do grocery shopping and I would grab a couple and put it in my pocket. That's a sin. That's called stealing. I've, I've, I've lied about turning my homework in. I've lied about doing my homework. That's a sin. See, we all suffer from brokenness. And there's a bigger brokenness than just taking a little bit of candy and, or, or, or lying about turning your homework in that, that is really leading, uh, and it's a gateway into this industry. And it's called pornography. Pornography not is, is not only wrecking homes, wrecking marriages, but it's, it's a gateway into sexual trafficking. It's not just... Two people out there enjoying it and making a bunch of money. We're talking about people that are being forced to do it. And there's someone behind a camera that's getting paid to to film it too. You see, pornography is huge. And it's destroying people. It's destroying humanity. It's desensitizing us as humans. Because now teenagers think it's acceptable It's not a big deal. It's not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody watching this. But yet it's desensitizing them as a human to see other people as humans as well. Statistics show that teenage girls are just as addicted and the same rate of teenage girls are addicted to pornography as teenage boys. Pornography is a big deal. If you don't think so, then I would just, I would ask that you would pray about it. So, one night, after we had seen this picture here, this is a picture that uh, Don Brewster took, the gentleman that was uh, over in Cambodia that was walking around. He took this picture, and it was two, two young girls standing, just standing outside of a brothel in Cambodia. It's legal to do it there. Two little girls. And so he took this picture. And this picture was just stuck. It was stuck in her heads. And one night, Meredith wake, 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 woke up, and, and she, was, she just had this, this image of these two little girls in, in her head, and, and she just started kind of getting this feeling of, what if those were 
my two girls? What if, what if those two girls, what if that was my nine-year-old and my seven-year-old? What if that was them? And, and she, she just couldn't let it go. It was just such a burden on her. And she, she says that at that moment, God said, those are my girls. Meredith, those are my girls, not, not just yours, but they're mine. And that's when Meredith just felt this huge compel to, to really do something, not just support her parents, but to, to do something. And so the next morning she wakes, we wake up and we're talking, and, and as we're talking, she says, I, I, I want to do something to help. I want to do something bigger just than just having my parents go over there. And so, and so in talking with her parents here in a few minutes, we're going to talk about stuff that's out there that you guys can look at. And if you would like to purchase it, you're more than welcome to. It all goes back to helping, rescuing children. Um, but her parents are like, listen, won't, won't we do this? Won't, won't we do awareness parties? And, and, and Meredith was like, I don't know how to do that. And, and so we had these bracelets and, and, in the conversation of these bracelets, Elena came alongside Meredith and was like, hey, listen, why don't, we, why don't you have these awareness parties and you can sell these bracelets? And she's like, I'll be glad to do the first one for you. And in a roundabout way, it just it came about where your pastor's wife just said, I want to help in any way that I can. I, I, I can't just sit still either. And so for the last year, we've, we've gone around traveling across the the country speaking in different groups, organizations, churches, raising awareness because it's your Meredith was right. Those just aren't. This couldn't just be my two girls. They're God's children. They're God's children. And so we began to to pick up the fight. We began to to join in and say we want to be part of seeing this end. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I'll ever see it end. I don't think I will in my lifetime see it end. But here's the thing, church, is if we can rescue or cause one child not to be trafficked, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's for each of us just to do our small part. Can it end? You bet. And I pray that we see the end of it. But I don't think I will. I just don't think I will. We have a cause, and the cause is before us today. The cause is before us today, and, it, and it's when we finally acknowledge that it's, it is taking place right here in our own backyard. It's taking place right here in Denver, where two years ago, Two years ago, we have a friend that walked into a McDonald's off of Colfax. Now, we, are, we can agree that Colfax is not the safest place. But walked into, was walking into a McDonald's on Colfax during lunchtime. And she saw a young girl sitting out there, roughly around 13, 14 years old. And obviously knew that, hey, she should be in school, but she's not. What's she doing here? So she stops, says, what are you doing here? The young girl says, well, I'm working. And our friends like eh. Joy says, I, I don't I, I wasn't really comfortable with just working here because she wasn't in her McDonald's attire like everyone else that worked at McDonald's. 
And so she says, well, hey, can I, can I take you in? Can I, can I get you something to eat? And the young girl was like, sure. And so Joy took her to the counter, and, and she orders what she wants, and she turns to the young girl and says, now what would you like to order? The young girl looks at Joy and says, what are you doing? Just has this look of like, what are you doing? You, I can't do that. I can't order. The young girl was being pimped, was being trafficked. And a lot of ways that they lure them in, a lot of ways that men lure them is, is, is they play on emotions. They play on people, young people's emotions, such as, you know what, your, your family life is stinks right now. Your mom and dad, man, they're cracking down on you. Hey, just, just man, ignore them. Come on, let, come with us. Or they, they go on their social media and they see that, hey, man, this person, either A, they're not, their home life isn't good, or B, man, they're, they're throwing themselves out as being pretty promiscuous. And so that's, that's probably a pretty easy one. But this young girl at McDonald's, she couldn't order for herself because of what would happen if her, her pimp heard this. And so after a few seconds of, no, it's okay, you can order whatever you want. You can order as much as you want. The young girl orders about 10 things off the McDonald's menu. Now we know just as well as Colfax is not a great place, we know that McDonald's, there's nothing worth ordering over there either. So it was pretty incredible. And as they're sitting down, Joy's having this conversation with this young girl of, of what she does. And Joy says, hey, listen, I want you to know that this is safe and this is going to be confidential. But if you ever want a new job, here's my phone number. You can call me. They left. And about three months later, Joy got a phone call from this young girl saying, I want a new job. You see, it's all about us being aware of what's going on around us, but not only being aware of what's going around us, but us being the hands and the feet, being the body of Christ, being the body of Christ. You see, I suffer from depraved, in, I suffer from depraved impravity, indifference, sorry, depraved indifference. I, I, I don't get it. But when I, when I open up my eyes to what God sees, that's when I realized that, hey, listen, I'm broken. And just as much as I, in my brokenness, need Christ, I have something to offer. I have hope that I can offer. I have something just as great to offer. And that's Christ. In fact, Scripture talks about God being, like I said in, in Psalms, God talks about being the father to the fatherless. Rescuing orphans and widows. And he says, you, Ben, you're my body. Ben, your hands, those are my hands. Your feet, those are my feet. That heart, if it's not beating on earth, then, then where is it beating? Church, I want to ask you this morning, if we're called to be the body of Christ, then, then what are we doing? And, and I, 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 I'm sold. I'm sold 100% on the vision that Adam has casted for Element Church. But you see, 
God, he wants, he, he wants us to engage. As the body of Christ, he wants us to engage what's going on around us. Not, not join, but engage in the fight of, of the cause of people. The cause of people. We each work with somebody that doesn't know Christ, except for Adam. You caught that, didn't you? We all know somebody that doesn't know Christ. We all know somebody that, that, you know what, they're broken and they don't know how to be fixed. I want to tell one, one more story and then, and then we have another video I want to show, just a short video. One of the girls in, in the program there at AIM that Meredith's parents work with, her name is Toha. And Toha, her, her parents, they couldn't pay a debt they owed. But yet they had other kids to feed. They had two other little girls that they still had to take care of, they still had to feed. At the age of 14, parent, or Toha's parents gave her to a trafficker, to an American man, and said, hey, listen, you can have her. We'll come by and collect the money so we can, so we can feed the rest of our kids and, and pay the person that we owe. Toha was entrapped in, in for 22 days, okay? Within those 22 days, she was raped 198 times. Toha was rescued. The American man was brought back to California where, he's sending, where he is in prison for a 45-year sentence. Toha's mom, she is in Cambodia. She is serving an eight-year sentence, which she wouldn't be except for that's the American government helped put her in prison. When Toha came to America to, to testify against this man, she had two things. She had a rock because she heard stories of, of this, when we hear children's stories of, of David and Goliath, right? We all know the story of, of David defeating the, the gigantic Philistine, right? With just what? He had three stones, right? But one of It only took one to kill him. And so... Toha came with this rock because she knew that she had to take someone bigger than herself down. And so she had one rock. She also had her ID that she was able to get through AIM. And and that ID represented, you know what, she was somebody. She was somebody. She wasn't just a kid that was trafficked and and thrown away and discarded because she she was not valuable anymore. Could you imagine being raped 198 times within a 22-day period, you would think that you would not have any value whatsoever. But Toha had her ID. Here's the sad part of this, an additional sad part of this story is Toha's mom came to testify for the American man. Not for Toha, but for the American man. You see, it's those stories there that I can't walk away from and say, man, that sucks. 
man, that's horrible. Those are the types of stories that pull on my heart and say, you know what, I have four kids of my own. I have to protect them. I'm a student pastor, and you know what? Teenagers are, are being trafficked each and every day. I have, to, I have to make them aware, and I have to, I have to know, they have to know what's going on around them so they can be the, aware of them, themselves, for themselves. That's why we speak at, at high schools and churches and elementary schools is because, you know what, we, I can't sit still. I, there are times that I can't sleep because I'm afraid. Not I'm afraid as in like this fear just comes over me because I know that Christ is in control. But I'm, I'm afraid because I just don't know. And so Meredith and I, as, as we've just been burdened for this, we have... We thought, what can we do? What can we do here in the United States? And so we, we, just, we prayed about it, and we just felt led to, um, to, to kind of start an, our own organization, to raise awareness to where we go and speak. And we partner with, with people like Agape International that, that, that they go out, they rescue. They have an organization that rescues and they bring these children back, and then they give them education. They, they train them in some kind of skill to where they don't have to go back into this sex trafficking or other kind of labor trafficking to where they are employed. They also have a prevention side where that's where a lot of things they see before it happens. There's a school there. And the school is, they, they bring kids into the school, and, and when they start missing for one or two days or more, that's when they know we need to go find this person. We need to go to their, this, per, this children's, this child's house and find out what's going on. Because most likely, if they're missing one or two or more days, they're being trafficked. And so I want to show you this video before I end um, of what AIM does. And uh, then I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more of kind of what we can do here. There's so many people that have no idea what's going on. They don't understand about the torture, the severe abuse that these girls go through. Forced sexual abuse is a global problem and something must be done about it. For Agape International Missions, we're committed to four things. We prevent, we rescue, we restore, and we reintegrate. We're seeking out the toughest communities where girls are being trafficked. We're moving in and we're transforming these communities from the inside out. We're reaching out to the community through a children's program, a free school, a free clinic, and through community service, teaching them that they're worth being poured into and their children are too. We have a kickboxing gym, reaching out to pimps and traffickers, using the love of Christ to show them what a real man looks like. 
We have over a thousand churches throughout Cambodia who are being trained and developed to respond to the specific needs as they come up. We're building up the next generation of young leaders and sending them out to spread the love of Christ throughout the country. Through working in these communities, partnering with churches, and building relationships, we're receiving leads about children in slavery. We're acting on these leads through the use of undercover investigations and local law enforcement partnerships to rescue these children and stop the supply at the source. We have a full-time home for girls rescued out of sex slavery where they can receive love in a healthy way and learn to give love in a healthy way. Part of a restored life is viable employment, so we've created an employment center where girls can support themselves and their families while working in a safe and empowering environment. We also have two transitional homes where girls can receive the support they need while they begin their restored life. This is an evil that needs to be destroyed, and that's what we're committed to do. We're all broken people. Each one of us are broken. But there's a solution for that. There's a solution for this type of stuff that's taking place, and it's Jesus Christ. It may sound oversimplistic, but that's it. It's Jesus Christ. You see, heroes aren't moved in their head. They're moved in their heart. Heroes are moved in their heart in such a way that they're willing to do something radical. They're willing to do something that's just not natural. And, and, and here's, let me illustrate it this way. What was Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane for? He was there for life, life abandonment. You see, he was moved in his heart in such a way that he wanted to to come and rescue people like you and me that are broken. And so this morning I want I want us to just pause. And shift our mind away from human trafficking real quick. I want us to shift our mind to our own brokenness. Your brokenness. Do you have that solution for yourself? Do you have that solution for you? For your brokenness? Do you have Jesus Christ this morning? You see, there was great drops of blood that was shed for you and for me and for our sin. And this morning, if you have not given your life to Christ, if you have not said, God, I am so broken, I need rescued. This morning, I want to 
know how you do it here, but this morning I'm just going to pray a quick prayer, and then afterwards, after I'm done, I want, I'll ask that you would just you would walk up to Adam and, and talk to him. Or I'll be here. You can talk to me. But if you have not, and you know for a fact that you need rescue this morning, you have never admitted that Christ died on a cross for your for your sins, for your brokenness, but yet this morning you want to do that, I'm just asking you to repeat this simple prayer after me. God, I know I'm a sinner. God, you love me so much that you gave your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to cover my brokenness, to cover my sins. And this morning I, I admit that I need you. I confess and I believe that you are my Lord and my Savior. Church, if that was you this morning, I would, I know Adam would love to meet you. I would love to meet you as well. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life church we're called to share that we're called to share the good news we're called as to be the body of Christ thank you guys so much for your time thank you for allowing me to be here Jay won't you close us